Episode 113. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> welcome to this episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me. I'm recording this today from Perth. I'm currently here whilst my daughter is spending a week with her dad, which this time I've got to say... It's pretty good. I'm having a really nice time. I wanted to record this podcast episode whilst I was here because sometimes most of my podcast episodes I record quite far in advance. And in order to keep kind of, I guess, up to date with everything, it's really nice to share some of my personal experiences, which are just happening in my life in real time. So I thought I would record this whilst I was in Perth and tell you a bit about my trip which is going really well. So I made lots of plans, as I usually do, to try, to try and distract myself whilst my daughter is with her dad because it is really difficult for us. We flew in on Thursday. I randomly was sitting next to one of my friends on the plane. I didn't even know she was, you know, flying to Perth on that flight. So it was incredible. We had some wine and we chatted and we caught up and it was really nice. And then she invited me to a thing that she was having for her work. She's a fashion designer the following day. So that was really nice. Then I went to Farah Miller's 40th birthday party, which was incredible. Now, Farah has been on the podcast three times before, and she is just amazing. And Farah, if you're listening, you know how much I love you, and I think you're incredible. And I was so honored to go to your party, and I'm just so proud of you and, you know, how far you've come. You know, I, I just feel really honored to have witnessed your, you know, your single mum journey and also your cancer journey over the last 18 months or so. And I just think you're just incredible. And I think all of my listeners who have heard any or all of your podcast episodes with me would agree with me. So you are amazing and we love you. It was incredible. And then Saturday and Sunday, I caught up with a friend of mine, which was really nice. Um, it's really nice, you know, to spend time with my friends when I'm here. And it makes me feel less like I'm just kind of waiting to come home, which it often does feel like for me. And, you know, I have more plans this week. I'm recording this on Monday. I have some plans tomorrow and also Wednesday to catch up with people. And then on Thursday, my daughter and I are flying to Brisbane for a few nights together. So I'm really looking forward to it. And so far, so good. <laughs> you know, it's really funny, I guess having my podcast, you're speaking a lot into a mic and it's hard to, sometimes I, I worry that I don't come across as genuine because I'm not talking to someone specifically. And I often, to try and help myself with that, I picture someone that I know who's struggling with something that I'm talking about and pretend I'm talking to them. Or I picture someone who, you know, might've messaged me on Instagram or emailed me and I picture them and I think, you know, what are they struggling with? Because you you email me, you tell me, you know, and I picture myself talking to that person because I really want to come across to you as genuine as I possibly can be. Now, I guess it's really a strange situation for me because, because I am not speaking to people. All I get is the feedback, that is the messages on social media and the emails and things. But sometimes it's really hard to feel like what I'm doing is making a real difference with real people because it's all online. Anyway, long story short, but it's so funny here in Perth. I've run into four people so far who have recognized me from Instagram and from listening to my podcast. And this doesn't happen to me that often in Sydney. It might happen once every month or two, but here in Perth, it's so far it's happened every day. And I've got to say, 
it's been really nice because it makes me feel so much more connected with you, with my audience, with my listeners to single mums around the world. And it's just meant so much to me. I can't even tell you. And I also met one of my clients. Oh, it's hard for me not to get emotional about this because it was just so nice. Like most of my clients, I don't actually meet face to face. We do all our sessions over the phone or Skype. So, you know, to be able to meet one of my clients and we finished working up together a while ago and I know you're listening. <laughs> um, so I just, you know, it was so special to me to meet you. And, you know, like I said to you, it, it, I've only ever met one of my other clients and that was right at the start of our work time working together. And it just meant a lot to me to, you know, meet you after going through everything with you. I feel that you went through such a transformation and really incredible, really incredible. And I just feel so honored to be a part of that and that I was able to help you and that, you know, meeting you was just so nice. And, <laughs> you know, for the other listeners, we're, like we were both crying. It was, it was a really special moment. And I definitely wrote about that in my gratitude journal that night. It meant a lot. So Perth so far is not a bad experience. I'm having a really nice time and I really haven't been working that much, to be honest with you. I've been kind of focusing on just my self-care, my me time, my, you know, just watching Netflix and, you know, just relaxing and shopping and just looking after me, which has been really nice. And my daughter has FaceTimed me a couple of times and written me some messages, which has just been really, really nice. I feel very lucky for that. Anyway, <laughs> this week is a solo episode. And before we get into it, which we will in just a second, I just want to remind you that the Don't Just Survive Thrive online program for single mamas to get empowered is kicking off on the 22nd of October. So that's not very far away. It is less than two weeks. It's the last time I'm running this course for 2018. So if it's something that you've been thinking about, come and join the tribe. I would love to have you. I will put the link in the show notes if you want some more information on it. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. Okay, so this week, what I want to do is answer some other questions which have been emailed to me. I do get emailed a lot with questions and I guess in order to be able to help more people, I have, you know, asked these people if I am able to answer this question on the podcast because I feel like they could be quite, the answers could be quite helpful to not only them, but to, to you listening as well. So if you do email me a question, you know, I can add it to an upcoming episode. I will always ask for your permission before I just, you know, blurt it out. Um, obviously, I'm going to keep your identity anonymous. And I just think some of these are some really interesting questions and I hope I can give you some advice. Okay, so the first one. Hello, Julia. I am a 28-year-old single mother of a three-year-old daughter. My ex-husband and I were together for 10 years before he admitted to being a serial cheater throughout our six-year marriage. We were in therapy consistently throughout our relationship. Unfortunately, therapy seemed to only aid him in his deceptions and manipulations. In addition to the constant cheating, my ex admitted to various deviant behaviours that resulted in our therapist suggesting that he only see my daughter six hours per week, preferably under supervision. I am literally the only single mother I know of. 
let alone 28-year-old divorcee, so I'm constantly trying to find guidance and support. Besides the fact that I have zero trust or faith in his ability to provide safety and positively contribute to my daughter's life, I truly believe that he only sticks around to torture me. That is not meant dramatically. It doesn't matter what I do or don't do. He finds a way to corner me into a confrontation with him. I did not realize just how unhappy I was being married to him until he left. I feel so empowered by being a single mother. Raising my daughter is my one true joy in this life, but I often feel like she is his greatest weapon against me and I'm left powerless, tortured and hopeless. When researching to try to find anything to provide hope and direction, I am instead inundated with terrible articles and statistics that are so unsupportive in their one-size-fits-all, 50-50 approach. Any advice would be so greatly appreciated. Thank you for being a life preserver during this time when I constantly feel like I am drowning. Okay. I am so sorry to hear what's going on. And, you know, there's a few issues that I want to discuss. So, okay. So the first one, I sense that you're worried about your daughter's safety. The second one is that you don't know any other single mothers and you're looking for support and guidance. And the third one is that you feel like he is, I guess, really impacting your life in a negative way and you can't get away from him trying to torture you, as you say. Okay. So let's talk about your daughter's safety first. Look, I don't know the whole story, so I'm hesitant to give advice about that. What I always say to people is trust your gut. If you are really concerned for your child's safety, you need to do what you have to do to make sure that they are safe. I'm wondering, you know, if the therapist suggested that he only sees your daughter six hours a week, preferably under supervision. That does suggest that he is, I guess, not a complete you know, risk because otherwise it would be not at all and, you know, go to court ASAP kind of thing. So I'm not sure exactly what the situation is and what's going on, but, you know, if your therapist has suggested that he only sees your daughter six hours a week under supervision, then I would put that plan into practice. And I don't know if that means for you going to court or what you have to do to get that parenting plan into place, but if that's something that you are really concerned about, I would trust your gut and I would do what you think is right. Remember, it's not about you and it's not about him. You are your child's advocate. That's what I always say to people. Your kids don't have a voice. You have to be their voice. You have to protect them and you have to do what's in their best interest. The hard thing for me, I guess, personally is like, is my daughter really at risk or is it just my anxiety playing tricks on me? You know, and for me, I don't know. I don't think my daughter really is at risk. I know that my daughter's dad absolutely loves her and he wouldn't hurt her. Um, There is a part of me that really worries about it a lot, but not to the point where I can stop him from seeing her. So, you know, it's it's a tricky one. Okay, the second one that I wanted to talk about was the fact that you are the only single mother that you know of and... You're trying to constantly find guidance and support. My advice to you would be reach out to people. It can be really hard to make that first step, but if you live in a big city, there's usually Facebook groups for single parents. All you have to do is type in, for instance, you know, if you're in Melbourne, maybe Bayside single mums. 
is that a place? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, you know, or St Kilda single mums maybe. You know, so you just kind of put in the area, have a look, see what comes up. Join these groups and be proactive. I know it's really scary for some people to put themselves out there, but you really don't have anything to lose. And I think putting up a post in one of those groups saying, you know, hi, I'm a single mum, I live here, I've, I've got a daughter, she's this old, I would love to meet up with another single mum, maybe with a child around the same age or, you know, whatever, that would be a great way. And then you don't know who's going to respond to that. Don't be put off if no one answers. Like, you know, they might not have seen it. The Facebook algorithm is actually quite difficult these days. It's like not everyone sees everything. So it's not that you're being ignored. It's just that people probably haven't seen it. So keep it up there, just wait, because even if no one there responds, someone might join the group the next day and then go scroll through the group and see your thing and then, you know, send you a message or something. So don't be disheartened, put yourself out there. If you live somewhere really isolated, my advice would be to try and find an online support forum and, you know, you can join the Single Mother Survival Guide support forum Facebook group that I've created. The link is on the homepage of the website, www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. And, you know, you reach out to people, you reach out to people. And this is how, you know, you, this human connection, I think, don't be scared. Don't be scared to post something. Don't be scared to ask anything. If you're, if you're thinking it, if you're worried about it, chances are somebody else is too, you know, so I would, my advice is just put yourself out there, do some research, get involved, attend events. If there are any single mum events in a local single mums group, you can even Google online, you know, not, it doesn't necessarily have to be Facebook. You can find support forums online, not on social media to connect with other people, meetup groups, that kind of thing. So do some research and I would really suggest actually doing that because a lot of people think they don't need it but it's actually like can be really life-changing you put yourself out there you you meet with these other women and it can make you feel really validated it can make you feel like what you're feeling is not wrong you know it's completely normal you can get advice about all sorts of things you know tinder (laughs) um you know crazy exes you know dealing with the kids um adjusting to co-parenting, all that sort of stuff. You know, if you meet single mums in your local area as well, you can actually look after each other's kids. Once you've, you know, gained that trust, you can take turns, get some time off. There's lots and lots of benefits. It's great also to have an emergency backup. You know, no one's going to get it like a single mum. And if you end up in hospital, I guarantee it's single mums are the first to step in and help you. That's what I found in my experience. I think that we are so giving and we are so, we get it. You know, we really get it. And I've actually been quite shocked a lot of the time when I've really struggled that it's not been my partnered up friends that have come to my rescue. It is my single parenting friends because they do understand. So there are a lot of benefits. I would give it a go. And the third part of your question, I guess, is, you know, dealing with your ex and that he makes life difficult for you. I think one of the important things to think about is that you want to get to the point where your ex and your relationship with your ex is not consuming you. Okay, you don't want to feel like your mood and your energy and your vibe 
is based on how he treats you. I was just telling one of my clients this morning on the phone in one of our sessions that, you know, many years ago when I first became a single mom, like five years ago, I really struggled dealing with my ex. It completely consumed me and I fought it internally for so long. I questioned myself every day going, why? Why does it have to be like this? Like, I wish he wasn't so mean to me. I wish this, like, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, when will it get easier? And I just, you know, I kept questioning and just fighting with myself internally. And this went on for ages. And then it was only when I sort of came to the realization that there's nothing I can do with about him. I can't control him. I don't want to be hanging out for the day that things change because you know what? What if they don't? For me, it's been five years and I do not want to be like a bearer of bad news, but for me, it hasn't changed. His attitude towards me hasn't changed. When I first became a single mom, my psychologist, she said to me, Julia, don't worry. He can't maintain this. It will get easier. And I hung on to that and I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And you know what? It never happened. It never got easier for me in terms of the way that he treated me. So as soon as I made the decision to just accept it for what it is. You know, I've said it before, but the serenity prayer or the acceptance mantra or affirmation, as I like to call it, makes a huge difference. It helps me so much. It goes, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Let me say it again. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And I recited that to myself and I went, you know what? I cannot change him. There's nothing that I can do that's going to change him. And in fact, if I continue to let him see how much he's upsetting me, it's actually going to make my situation worse. So I went, okay. I can't change him. What can I do from my end to change the situation? And I want to give you some tips that helped me with that. The first one, realize it's not about you. Okay. My ex is constantly telling me awful things. He hopes that I die. You know, he feels sorry for our daughter having me as a mum. It's bloody rude, you know, and it hurts. And initially I would cry and I would get really upset about it. He has so much anger. You know, as I said, it's just, it ha- he has never let anything go. And I didn't understand why he would be so horrible and nasty to me. And I tried to analyze it and I was like, you know, psychoanalyzing him and I cried and, I, and it just didn't get me anywhere. And now I know it's not about me at all. It's about him and it's his need to say things to hurt me. And it's also about his own grief about the relationship ending and the fact that he doesn't see his daughter as much as he'd like to. You know, so since I came to that realization, his words don't actually affect me that much. I still don't like to hear it. Obviously, it's like pretty nasty things to say, but I have learned to not let it affect me so much because I also understand the motivation. So I think if you can do that, if you can really understand the motivation behind it, then that can change your life for the better. Okay, the second thing is look at this like a business relationship. Okay, I like to think of my co-parenting relationship like a business relationship. I don't, I don't engage in any of the personal conversations. You know, you don't need to know how so and so is. You don't need to know if he's got a girlfriend right now. Like, you don't need to know what's going on with his footy team. You just do not need to know. Okay, don't engage in personal conversations. Stick to the point. Remain civil. Treat your ex like a colleague. You know, 
people say to me all the time, like, why are you so nice to your ex? He's such an asshole. And, you know, probably it's true. He doesn't deserve it. But at the end of the day, I know that he's my daughter's father. My daughter is watching everything I do and I'm setting an example for my daughter. Okay. I know that I'm being true to who I am and I'm not behaving in a way that I'm going to regret. Having said that, I do have boundaries. Okay. And there is a line and I am not going to tolerate any abusive or nasty behavior in front of my daughter. Okay. Especially, I mean, in general, but that like, I will not put up with it nor in my house, you know, which is why I've put my foot down. I've said, you're not staying in my house anymore. And that's fine. I don't care, you know, and it actually, it says it in our court orders that we should stay at each other's house, but we have agreed that we will just not be doing that. And it's not healthy. And I tell him when he is an asshole in front of my daughter, I tell him because I don't want my daughter thinking that that kind of treatment is normal or acceptable. But the way I respond to him is quite businesslike or it's businesslike, or I even talk to him like I would a toddler, you know? So for instance, when my daughter was little, she would often, you know, be quite (laughs) difficult as they are. And, you know, I would speak to him like I was telling her off. I would say, that is not a nice way of speaking. You know, that behavior is unacceptable, you know, like that kind of thing. I would, I would say, yeah, you know, that's not a very nice way of speaking kind of thing. And, you know, it sounds silly, but my daughter was like watching everything, you know, and she was pretty pleased that she wasn't the one in trouble, (laughs) to be honest. Yes. So look at it like a business relationship. Thirdly, don't get sucked into the drama. Sometimes you just need to have a rant with a friend, family member. It's going to make you feel so much better. And it's a much better option than going down that rabbit hole of engaging in unnecessary conversations and arguments that are going to spiral out of control. I don't know about you, but for me, every time I don't do this and we get sucked into this thing, it's a spiral arguing about the past, same things over and over again. So try not to let yourself get there. Stay calm, stay focused on the issue at hand, pull it back if it veers off track. If you're arguing about, you know, the kids or whatever, when you're going to have the kids when and he starts talking about oh my God, you know, when we were married and you did this and we wouldn't be in this situation, rah, rah, bring it back to, okay, right now we're focusing and we're talking about who has, you know, Claire on Tuesdays or whatever your child is called and just keep bringing it back. Okay. It's, uh, I spent years having the exact same argument with my ex over and over again. I can't tell you. It is emotionally frustrating, it's draining, it's unnecessary. And as soon as I learned to stop engaging in these arguments, our relationship got better. And that brings me on to my fourth point, which is think about how you respond and even if you need to. Okay, often my clients will send me a text message and it'll be like a photo of their, you know, message conversation with their ex. And they'll say, you know, look at what I did, was that right? And I'll say, you actually didn't need to respond to that at all. Like when someone has a go at you about something, sometimes the easiest thing is just to not even respond. They're looking for a fight, you know, and if you don't respond, there's actually nowhere, like it's not going to go anywhere, you know, in order for a fight to happen, you need two people. You need two people to engage with each other. So I say to my clients, like, don't respond. If If it's not related to parenting or something that is actually, you know, you need to discuss, don't respond. 
you don't need to. You don't owe anyone, you know, you, you've broken up, just leave it. That would be my, my advice. And if it's something else, like think about how you respond. Respond, don't react, okay? Take a deep breath, leave your emotions out of it. Look at the facts. Do not respond to any messages or emails when you're feeling all worked up. Remember, as I said before, we cannot control the behavior and actions of others, but we can choose how and if we respond and how we react. And this is something that is in your hands and it can completely diffuse or prevent an argument. So that is, you know, one of my suggestions. And then lastly, write down some affirmations. You know, if you're really struggling, write down write them down and stick them somewhere where you can see them and they can be very helpful. So for example, you might say, I no longer believe the hurtful words that so-and-so says to me. And you recite that. When they're having a go at you, you just keep reciting it. Or you just say, I am a strong individual. I am a strong individual. I am a strong individual. You know, and you will keep reciting this. I am happy. You know, I'm much better off without so-and-so. Or I will let the words of so-and-so wash over me. I will let the words of so-and-so wash over me. I will let the words of so-and-so wash over me. And you just recite them to yourself. Another one is what so-and-so says to me is not a fact. And that brings me on to the last thing I want to say. We often get sucked in because they're pushing our buttons and they say things to us that they know is going to hurt us. They're saying things to piss us off, right? Remember, whatever your ex says to you, it's not a fact. It's their opinion, okay? It's their opinion. If someone says calls you a bad mother or if someone says, you know, poor our poor children having you as a mum – Remember, that's not a fact. That is either their opinion or it's just words to piss you off and upset you. They know it's going to upset you. Okay, so remember that what they say is not a fact. Okay, I hope I've answered that question sufficiently. Yeah, let me know if I can help in any other way. Okay, second question. Hi, Julia. I have been following your podcast for a couple of months now. I'm a single mum as of December last year of a, at the moment, 14-month-old boy. I message because I'm really struggling to co-parent and I always have. Things just keep getting worse and worse and he's starting to get back with his three-year-old daughter's mother who's got a, a child from a previous relationship. He's also bad, bad-mouthed me to his family who now despise me after I told him I would go to the police after his after he pushed me around onto the ground and threw pillows at me. I know soft, but there was a lot of anger and force in it. Our current co-parenting plan works well enough for me, but he isn't happy and would be one to take me to court. I feel like I'm at a bit of a loss. I'm not used to being hated for doing nothing. I'm worried they would teach my son bad habits in the future as they all drink like fish I'm terrified they would turn my son against me and I'm terrified for the safety of my son with his dad with accidental injuries that his dad doesn't seem to think are an issue to occur. I've read a lot about parallel parenting and it seems like that's what we are doing as he is far from amicable with with me, even if I'm nice to him. I just can't stand the thought of not knowing where my son is, how he is, who he is with or having zero control of this little human that I would do anything for. I know a lot is about controlling the thoughts, 
but I don't know how to control these fears and it feels like I'm being forced to detach myself from my son to deal with it, not to be upset and worried this whole time he's with his dad. Would you have any advice? Okay. Oh, honey, it's not an easy situation at all. And I think, first of all, thank you for your message. And second of all, like, you know, things are still quite fresh, you know, and sometimes it feels like, oh, you know, it's been six months or it's been eight months or it's been a year and I, I should be further along by now or I should be not dealing, I should be dealing with this better or something, but it's not the case. You know, this takes a lot of time and your son is very young. I think it's really hard when they're that little and, you know, just don't beat yourself up for anything, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, even though you haven't said that. And, you know, I could be wrong, but just don't, um, don't beat yourself up about anything. Um, okay. A couple of things here. Okay. So first of all, the fact that he threw pillows at you, I don't care how soft or hard they are. Like that's not acceptable. Um, he should not be pushing you around. He should not be pushing you onto the ground. And that is physical violence. That is domestic violence. So, I mean, what I don't understand is, um, I guess, why you would tell him that you would go to the police. I think next time that happens, or even now, you just go to the police. Okay, this is your safety. Um, telling someone that you're going to go to the police is not going to make it stop. You need to stand up for yourself. You need to say that is not acceptable doing that. If you're, I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know how bad this physical violence is and if there's been if there's been any in the past or, you know, if this is a habit, but it's not okay. No, it's not okay to abuse women. It's not okay to abuse anyone. We can't go around pushing people onto the ground, and that is not okay. Again with the pillows, he should not be throwing anything at you. So, I would be I would be going and sorting that out straight away. Um, okay. Second of all, you know, a lot of guys use court as a, a threat. You know, they play on our fears that the court will say that we need to do 50-50 or, um, that, you know, we won't have primary care of our children. Now, Remember that in general, the court does do what's in the child's best interest. And most of the time that is having a relationship with both parents, providing there's no, you know, drugs, mental illness, you know, I'm just talking relatively normal people here. So don't let that fear, I guess, stop you. I mean, this guy doesn't sound like father of the year. He really doesn't. I, I don't think that the court, if he did take you to court, would... um you know, give him 100% care or anything. I mean, I don't know because you haven't said what your current co-parenting plan is and what he wants it to be, but don't feel like you have to give in to him for the fear of going to court, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Stand up for yourself, you know, and if what's working is working, remember you're your son's spokesperson. Okay, in terms of like, you know, I know you're not used to being hated for doing nothing, and, you know, this is kind of very much like I was saying before. It's not you. And, you know, some of these people are just crazy. They're not – they're just angry people and it's got nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with you. You are just the, the target, okay? In terms of the family, I mean, this is one of the hardest things, I think, about co-parenting. 
that we have no control about what happens at the other parent's house. And it's very, very difficult. Like, you know, I'm not dealing with my daughter's dad and his family, like being massive drinkers or anything, but I hate the fact that when I drop my daughter off and then when I pick her up, you know, she's barely had any water all week. She's drinking juice. Like that's her primary drink. You know, she eats lollies. There's no bedtime rules. There's no routine. It's just whatever, anything goes, you know, it kills me. And I think, oh my God, like, don't you care about her, her health, her, you know, just general physical things. Like we all need sleep, water, fresh air. Like, it's just like those things aren't covered. And one of the hardest things for me has been to go in a it's like the serenity prayer again, you know, it's accept the things I cannot change and I can't change that. And the more I, you know, talk to my ex about it, he's the kind of guy that will do the opposite. So it's one of those things that I can't think about it too much. I've just got to know that, you know, she's not in physical danger. It's one week. She's not going to die because of a juice overdose. She's, you know, she's going to be fine um, and I just have to make up for it when she's with me. Now, obviously, I don't know the full extent about what's going on. Um, It does concern me that you talk about accidental injuries. I don't know if you mean that he's hurt your son or if he's just falling over. And I guess it's that thing again about are you really concerned or is it your anxiety? I don't know what's happening. I don't know the full extent of what is happening. Um, but if it's some, if you aren't truly concerned and it's just your anxiety, you know, playing on you, my advice would be don't think about it. I think you can get yourself in a state overthinking these things and worrying about it and analysing and questioning. You have to try and not think about it. I mean, you know, you can also challenge those thoughts. You can ask yourself if there's any evidence to show that that's a fact, that your thoughts are a fact and that something bad's going to happen. Don't think that you doing that and um, not thinking about it is you detaching yourself from your son. It's not about that at all. Like you sound like an amazing mum, and you doing that is not detaching yourself from your son. It's you protecting your mental state, you know, so that you can be the best mum. In terms of you being worried that and terrified, in fact, that your your son's parent, your son's dad and family will turn your son against you, I totally hear you. Like, I worry about that as well. But what I keep telling myself is that I can't do anything about what they say. I just can't. And in fact, I've got it in my court orders that they're not allowed to badmouth me because they all do it. Like they're all just not nice people. And they do it and there's nothing that I can do about it, even though as far as I know, you know, because of I hear what my daughter says to me that that is not being stuck to in terms of court orders. This is what annoys me so much about court orders. They're just... Um, it's like an AVO. It's just a piece of paper. It's not actually stopping anyone from doing anything. And in order to challenge it, you have to spend thousands of dollars, go back to court. It still like doesn't really protect the situation, I guess. It's really frustrating. But I, what I do for me in my situation in terms of worrying about that is I just don't think about it. I focus my energy on my daughter when I'm with her. 
I try to keep the lines of communication with my daughter completely open. I want her to trust me 100%. And I know that by bad-mouthing anyone, that is not good for anyone. It's quite dangerous for children, you know, mentally. Not dangerous, but, you know, it's not good for their mental health to do that. And they don't need it from both their parents. If they've got you doing it, they're going to trust you. They're going to know that, that you're there for them, that you love them. And that they can talk to you about anything and you worry about that if it happens in the future. You know, I'm a big believer in don't worry about things twice. If it happens, worry about it then. But there's no point getting yourself in a state worrying about it in the meantime. Think about what you can do, which is, as I said, and, um, and what else can you do? You know, there's not much else you can do. So you just do what you can on your end. Okay, I hope I've answered that question okay. Please let me know if there's any other questions about that. Okay, on to the next question. Okay, this person has written to me and said, Hi, I thought I'd reach out to you for a bit of advice since I don't really know where else to turn with this one. I am feeling really stuck at the moment, stuck on feeling let down by a whole bunch of different people in my life, from my mother-in-law to friends who used to be close. My mother-in-law, well, my ex-mother-in-law, has told me a dozen times now how she's here for me and that side of the family is always there for support, so I reached out to her about a month ago and invited her over. I didn't hear back. Then I reached out and let her know that I was really struggling at the moment and I really needed some help. All of my ex's family are only 35 minutes away on the other side of town, so I thought maybe once a month it wouldn't be a hassle to come visit and hang out with my eight-month-old while I catch up on laundry, etc. I've heard nothing since. I'm now laid up in bed riddled with infections because I'm so run down and the resentment is building big time because I've just heard that baby daddy is taking our girl to see her nanny again for the second time in two days so I can have a break. A month or so after baby daddy and I first broke up a few months ago, I caught up with some close friends and let them know that I really need some help right now. I just need time with friends, maybe catching up for a cuppa or a beer. I've heard nothing. I proactively contacted them to ask if I could catch up for a cuppa and then contacted the other friend, but nothing has come of it. I keep reaching out for help and get nil in return and the resentment is driving me crazy. It just keeps going around in my mind and I'd love any advice or mantras or anything you can suggest that might help me change my perspective. I keep trying to focus on what I do have rather than what I don't, but I always find myself back in the same spot, cursing my ex-mum-in-law for her lack of support. Help. Okay, honey, thank you for reaching out. And you know what? What you're thinking is such a normal thought process. I think for so many, the thing that's really difficult for you is that your baby is so young, you know, eight months old. It's very draining and it can feel really frustrating when you're doing everything and you don't have that support it's really difficult I hear you you know I really do and I used to get really agitated and angry about everything as well I'm going to be completely honest with you and um, I hope that you don't take offense to this I want to talk to you like I would talk to my friends in this situation or like I would talk to one of my clients and I think what can help you maybe is thinking about this in terms of the way you think of things let me explain. So you've you've said at the end that you're trying to focus on what you do have rather than what you don't. That is great. You know, our reality really does become what we focus on. I was just speaking to one of my clients about this this morning. So for instance, I don't know about you, but when I was pregnant, 
all I could see was pregnant people everywhere. It was like everybody in the shops was pregnant. When I got my last car, which is only my second ever car, would you believe? (laughs) But when I got that car, everyone had the same model. You know, it was what I was focusing on. It was just what I was looking for. Another example is you may be angry or feeling a little bit annoyed at the opposite sex. You know, maybe you have been treated unfairly twice um, or even three times or even maybe just once, you know, by a male and you're feeling really let down. And you you then might go out and date and you're looking for evidence. You know, you're looking for things that you can pick up from from men that you date and go, see, in your head, another asshole. You're kind of looking for this evidence. And I think you've got yourself in this state. It's kind of similar where you're almost looking for evidence of people letting you down. And that is building that resentment within you. So it's great that you're focusing on what you do have. And I think you need to spend a lot more energy on that. I think this is a real mindset shift that you need to have for yourself. The other thing is something that, you know, does take a bit of work and it really involves breaking a habit. So the thing is, you've been thinking a certain way for however many years, how old you are, um, and you might have these negative thoughts. Now, the negative thought pattern that you are describing in this question is blaming other people. And an alternative, more positive way of thinking is taking responsibility for how we react and what we do as a result. So rather than focusing on what you don't have and what they are not doing, like you said, focus on what's going right. So in this instance, focus on taking responsibility for how you react and, you know, what you do as a result of that. So rather than sitting and dwelling on what has gone wrong, think about think about what's going right. I think... Sometimes we blame other people for making us feel or act a certain way, but this is a kind of cognitive distortion because we are the ones that are responsible for the way we feel or act. The way that you've been thinking is an automatic thought process that you've been thinking for so long, it's really hard to change. So you really need to be very intentional about changing that negative thought process. And a really good way of doing this is writing down your thought and then asking yourself what that situation or that thought needs, you know, and this kind of wakes up your inner strength and makes your fear less powerful. So if you're thinking, you know, these people, they're not helping me and they should be there for me, but they're not. And I feel shit. Now, the reason why you feel shit and resentful is not because of the situation. And this is sometimes what kind of gets confused. It's not because of the situation, it's because of the thoughts that you have as a result of the situation. So imagine a triangle and on one side you've got, on one corner you've got the situation, on another corner you've got thoughts and on another corner you've got feelings. We are feeling a certain way not because of the event but because of the thoughts that we're having as a result of the event. Does that make sense? So just maybe ask yourself what are your thoughts? Just become really aware of them because the thing is, most of the time we do not even realize what thoughts we're having. They're really negative. And I do a lot of work on this with my clients and most of them say to me, wow, it's kind of depressing. I didn't realize that so many of my automatic thoughts were so negative. You know, even the most positive person or who thinks they're the most positive can have these really negative thoughts, you know, and I did a lot of work on this myself because I was doing the same thing. Some good kind of strategies, I guess, is 
challenge your thoughts, you know, ask yourself, what is the thought? What is the, is it your inner critic telling you something? Is it your inner critic telling you that nobody cares or that you're not worthy or that you're not good enough or that no one loves you? What is your inner critic telling you? And then challenge that thought, you know, look for evidence that says otherwise. And another way of doing it is visualize yourself moving through the negative thoughts, like slowly and in detail, really picture it. Try not to see these thoughts and experiences as a waste or as something negative. See them as like, okay, this is what's happening right now. This is an opportunity for me to grow. And I think that will allow you to not beat yourself up about your thoughts or to put blame on your on your on you or anyone else and to leave the past in the past and move back into the present. In terms of support, I think it's great that you've reached out to people. It's really hard for some people to do that. And I feel really sad for you that it hasn't been picked up on by your friends. I guess two two things come to mind. One, were you very clear on why you need help and that you were really struggling? Because I think sometimes people are so lost in their own world. And that if your friends really knew how you were feeling, they would be there for you in an instant. My second train of thought is, are these people real friends? Like, they're not there for you right now. Um, you know, I struggle... I struggle to accept that personally. Um, you know, I'm basing this on my friendships and it's not it's not the case. I feel that friends should, you know, I feel friends should be there for each other and that's what they do. And, you know, people have different, I guess, expectations in a friendship. But, yeah, I mean, I would ask yourself, are these people my friends? Is there anyone else that I could ask that would be there for me? Or, you know, have I asked them in the right way? Do they really know that I'm struggling? do I need to be a bit clearer with them and ask them for help? And then lastly, I would say to you, put yourself out there, you know, try and connect with some other people. It's very isolating being a single mom, especially with a baby. And if you can meet some other single moms, like I was talking about before, I think it will really help you. It will really change your life. You can find someone to do swaps with, you know, look after their kids or baby once in a while, and then they look after yours, you know, and that'll give you some time some time apart. In terms of the mother-in-law, the ex-mother-in-law, you know, it would be really nice if she was there for you. Unfortunately, some people just won't come to the party. And I think, you know, a different perspective is it's her son. And I don't know why the relationships ended and what's happened, but at the end of the day, you know, as much as it would be really nice for you if she supported you, you know, the, the mother of her grandchild, at the end of the day, her son is her son. And um, no matter what he's done, you know, he's always going to be her baby. You know, think of it, I guess, when your baby grows up, you're going to be there for your baby and that's going to be your priority, you know? So, yeah, so that's kind of, um, I wouldn't rely, I wouldn't rely on her or say to yourself that she needs to be there and she should be there for you. That's actually another type of negative thinking. It's the should statement. It's thinking that, you know, people should do things a certain way and that when they don't, that they're bad people. There's a few different types of negative thinking that I can actually identify in your in your email. I think if you can do some work on challenging your negative thoughts or you can always book in a one-on-one consultation with me and I'll give you some great strategies about that. It's really, I think, a real worthwhile thing to do, changing your thought patterns. And like I said, it's something that I do with my clients and it is life-changing. It's a 
pain in the ass to do and it's a bit of a chore to sit there and really think about your thoughts. You know, there's a lot more fun and (laughs) things that we could be doing with our time. But this is about investing in ourselves, ladies. This is about, you know, living our best life and we've got to be our own best friend and people often tell me how lonely they are and you know how how much they're struggling and there's so much you can do it's not only working on your negative thoughts it's learning to love yourself and be really happy in your own company you know there's a difference between being lonely and feeling really happy and feeling happy and comfortable in solitude because usually that's when you're most connected with yourself and you love yourself and you feel like you're your own best friend you can discover who you are. You know, there's a lot of great things about being on your own. And um, I think if you focus on that and, you know, again, it's what you focus on becomes your reality, then, you know, I think that's going to bring a lot more positive energy to you. So I think you need to kind of adopt the mantra of rather than thinking about what's gone wrong and why are they doing this to you and it's not fair and, it's sad and all that sort of thing, say to yourself sort of, this is the situation, what can I do about it? And like I said, maybe that's talking to your friends about how much you really are struggling and reaching out to some new people and really kind of training your mind to challenge that inner critic because I'm sure you are a wonderful person and a wonderful mum and I don't want you feeling this resentment. It's a really, it's an awful feeling. It's a really toxic kind of feeling and yeah, I don't want you to feel like that. So I hope some of those strategies have helped you a little bit. Okay, I might leave it there for now. Don't forget that the Don't Just Survive Thrive online program for single mums to get empowered is kicking off on the 22nd of October. I'm very excited. It's the last time I'm running it for the year. If you want to join the tribe, you are more than welcome. I would love to have you. I will put the link in the show notes. It's an eight-week online self-paced program. You can do it in your own time. It usually takes people eight weeks, but you can take as long as you want. No one's going to kick you out afterwards. And, you know, I'm going to teach you some great strategies, including some of the ones that we talked about today. So if you think it's something that you will benefit from, then I would love to have you. The other thing is, if you do want some help specifically with a single issue that you have, like I've said in a previous episode, I don't advertise this on my website, but I do do, you know, intensive one-on-one consultations. So I'll put that link in the show notes. And of course, you can always book in for a one-on-one mentoring program with me. I would love to work with you. So if you want to find out any information about any of those, I will put all the links in the show notes. Please get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. And If you've enjoyed this podcast, I would absolutely love it if you could rate and review it in iTunes. That would be amazing. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. That way you'll never miss an episode. I have some really exciting episodes coming up for you, actually, that I think will really resonate with a lot of people. I'm really looking forward to sharing them with you. And yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on what you think of some of those. So anyway, if you wanted to get in touch with me, you can send me an email. My email address is julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com. Please don't be afraid to send me an email anytime. You can also get in touch with me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm just at single mother survival guide as i mentioned please pop on over to the website www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com there is a link on the homepage to join the single mother survival guide support forum which is a facebook group for us all to connect with each other and also on the website you can read the blog you can find out all about the other podcast episodes and you can also book in a 30 minute complimentary clarity call with me if you'd like some help to discuss yeah how i can help you 
Okay, that's it from me. I'm going to put my feet up, maybe watch another episode of 13 Reasons Why. I'm currently on to the second season. Anyway, so I'm going to go have some me time. I hope you have the opportunity to have some me time today too. Just a little bit every day, ladies. Let's not burn ourselves out. Let me challenge you this week. Can you do 20 minutes, 30 minutes of me time a day? Maybe intentional me time, you know, book something in, schedule something in with yourself, a gym class or a bath or, you know, reading a book or something that you enjoy and let me know how it goes. All right. Have a wonderful week and I'll speak to you next week. Okay. Bye for now.